All right. The world may think that that's trivial and not a big deal, but that's eternal rewards. And God never forgets those things, Brody. And uh, God bless you for that. And all you guys that are up there doing the live stream and the sound tonight, and Chris on the camera over here too. You know, God remembers those things, and and uh, is truly grateful. So, I I wish I'd had that growing up. I didn't have a youth. Anybody here grow up not having a youth group? I mean, I I was in church, but I mean, I sat in the service, you know, every service, and sat with the adults. And if I made any kind of noise, I'd get the stern look or get a beating. Uh, <laughs> didn't have the youth group and youth leader or anything like that. And I just uh, grateful for what we have here. Grateful for our teens. I am. I'm thankful that Wes has taken them several times, places. Thank you. And they have uh, always had a great testimony and behaved themselves. I I think I probably told you this. We, we took a youth group one time. <laughs> we took them to the stock show. And so we stayed at Friendly Baptist Church in Commerce City. We slept in their basement the night before, and then we went to the stock show all the next day. And we had, my wife had the girls in, in one room in the far end of the basement, and I had all the guys in the other into the basement in another room, and I slept by the door where they could not get out without moving me. I mean, that was the kind of youth group we had at times. And the only one that that was actually trustworthy was was uh, um, Jaeger, Sherry Jaeger, and that was because she was just a little bitty tiny runt, and we could, we could threaten her. So the rest of them were... Uh, Oh, dear. But uh, do appreciate all of our kids, our children's ministries, appreciate all of our workers and the ones working on the VBS and so much help. And we will have, if we have a water day, we'll have a no water zone. So I heard, I heard some rumblings. I just heard some rumblings that we need a no water zone for all the crybabies. So... Uh, <laughs> So, but I do. I just appreciate everyone that is involved in the ministry. And, and it's amazing what God does when you just get out and you are excited about your Savior. You're, you are excited about serving the Lord and you um, tell people about Jesus and, and God does something. And he does. And you expect him to do that. And he does. And, and he has. And, and I'm, I'm excited. I I'm excited about how many Fort Morgan firefighters we have coming. And and that all started by Eric and Tony just being a witness and and just being solid guys that and and then Carl came along about the same time and uh you know just um it's just been good to watch that and uh ha had a, another uh firefighter come to me this morning and said that he and his wife would like to join and uh, we just uh, praise the Lord for that <clears throat> and we'll be the safest church in the county 
by far. And so we can shoot you and then we can do first aid. And <laughs> All right, Genesis 32. I can, can I bring something up that's bugging me? I'm going to bring you up a theological question, and this is on our live streams for our live stream family too. Um, <clears throat> oh, now if I can find it, John. It was in my it was in my devotions this morning, John chapter twelve. So, and I highlighted this, and and it um, give this some thought. <clears throat> In verse 37 of John 12, and I know this has nothing to do with my, my sermon today, but it's something that's really been on my mind <coughs> in trying to find a good answer in my own heart with this. It says in verse 37, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory, and spake of him. And here's the verse. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So I guess the question, were those guys saved? The ones in verse 42. There were many that believed on him, so does that mean that they placed their faith in him, but they just never confessed him? And by confessing, in, in this context, it would seem that acknowledging him publicly, and they did not do that because they uh, loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So were they... Were they believers? And they, um, well, if they live that way, not have any rewards uh, when they get to heaven? You don't believe so. You believe that they were unsaved. So they believed that Jesus was who he says he was, but they never received him. So give it some thought, okay? Now you know the turmoil that's going on in my mind on, on it too, okay? And it really, it, it goes right along, and maybe the reason that it stuck out this morning is because of the, the passage that I want to look at here in Genesis 32 it is about a total surrender to God. I, I, I do believe that <clears throat> there are people that have trusted Christ as their Savior but have not totally surrendered everything to God, that he might be Lord over their lives in certain areas, but there are certain other areas that they have not relinquished to God. That there, there are those that are, are nominal believers that you might say that uh, <clears throat> will see them in heaven, 
But as as uh, uh, Thane said, uh, what what was that statement you said that there there is a uh, a cold place in heaven for that one, and so. <laughs> I like that, <laughs> but I, I think that uh, it, it just goes through my mind so often that a, as a pastor that uh, you, we see this all the time, and we see, and maybe it bugs me so much because it happens in my own life also, but you, you know what you should do, you know what the Bible says, and then you just choose to do your own thing, and that, that shows us that that. We're just really not totally sold out, totally committed to God. And I want to be. And I want to be totally committed to him in everything. I, I want all of you to be totally committed to God. And, and that's not a bad thing, okay? So don't think I'm crazy here. It's a good thing to be totally sold out for God in everything that you are doing. Give it to God. And, and be, be what God wants you to be first and foremost. Be that one that that people look at you and think, that guy has become a radical in, in his ideas, and, and not because, you, you know, you, we're not taking radical Islamists or something like that. We're talking about a radical believer that's talking about the love of Christ and talking about joy and peace and harmony and unity and, and, and uh, uh, loving one another and treating each other with respect and, and, and uh, be that. And so... <clears throat> Here in chapter 32, I, I know we've looked at this several times in the past, and I, I preached a message on this all the way back in 2016, and uh, want to look at this passage again and give some more thoughts on this. So Jacob, who you could say was a nominal believer, remember Jacob and Esau, and, and Esau, I do not believe, was a believer, and believe that Esau represented the flesh, Esau represented the, the world in, in his actions, his behavior, everything about him. He represented the unbeliever. He represented one that was very fleshly and, and, and wanted only the things of the world. And Jacob, at the time before this, was a supplanter. He, he was a liar. He, he cheated his way into uh, uh, getting the, the blessings of the firstborn, even though he wasn't, and, and uh, the inheritance of that. And, and we know that he had to leave uh, his home country because of his lies and his deception, and Esau was his own brother, was going to kill him. And so he fled, and now here he is. He is on his way back into his home country because God had said, you need to go home. You need to come back, and and, and uh, you, you will be the one that is going to receive the blessings of Abraham, and you are the one that's going to continue the, uh, to, to uh, see the, the nation of Israel be born and, and grow through you. And so we come to chapter 32, and he has now left his father-in-law, and, and he's on his way back into the country. And it tells us in verse 32, as God is leading him, and Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host, and they called the name of that place Maonim. Maonim means two camps. And so 
I think we'll understand more about the two camps here as we get into this passage, but can you imagine knowing that you are doing God's will and God has shown you that you are doing God's will by showing you a whole host of angels that are with you. Jacob, you need to understand that that God is with you and that he is going to protect you and he sent this whole host of angels to be with you and and, and here he, he uh, has a, a place where he's come to that is divided. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, into the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. <clears throat> and I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. I have to stop there for just a moment. You're going to be, you will be hard-pressed to find grace in this world. Grace doesn't understand the definition, or the world does not understand the definition of grace. And the only ones that do are those that have truly received grace, and that is a perfect example through the grace of God. That's the only way that we can truly understand grace. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. So here's the, here, here's the uh, God's army is, is with Jacob. We see the situation unfolding, and, and, and let's give some thought to the circumstances of, of what is taking place here as we go on in, in uh, verse 7. And Verses 7 and 8, as he gets into this, we see that, that he's very fearful. Now, why would we be fearful if we are truly saying that and knowing that we are a child of God, that as Jacob had the whole host of angels with him to guard him, we have the very Holy Spirit of God living in us every moment, every day that we are alive. And so we have the power of God within us, not in ourselves, but in the power of God through the Holy Spirit of God. We know that we are surrounded by ministering angels. We know that. We know that God is watching us. We saw that this morning in in the verse there in Proverbs 5. God is watching everything that we are doing. And and so we know that and understand that. But here, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. That didn't come from God. Okay? He didn't seek counsel and ask God what to do in this situation. Here, I would have said, Hey, we're going to camp wherever the angels are. Okay? We're all going to stay right there. We want to be where we know that we are in the presence of God and His host that is watching over us. But instead, we see him make a decision, and, and a worldly, fleshly decision is always like this. You, you really are just making a decision about, uh, about uh, the, 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 the less of two evils, right? It, it was kind of like the election of, do, do we vote for Hillary, or was it Mitt Romney, or, you know, whoever was running that year, or whatever, you know? I mean... Yeah, you just hold your nose, or John McCain, you know, and, and whatever. You just hold your nose. And, and so often we make decisions on, for our lives, and 
we make decisions for our children and our family, and all we do is hold our nose and make a decision that, that we have not prayed about, and all you're doing is choosing the lesser of two evils. And, and here we see when that happens, then it brings great fear. It, it brings distress. And that is exactly where Jacob was. And he was greatly afraid. And he was afraid for his family. And he was afraid of, of Esau who was coming to destroy them. And Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Oh, how we need to trust Him and walk with Him and know that He has all things under control. Well, now we see that Jacob gets a little smarter, and we see that he prays in verses 9 through 12. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. So now he's reminding God, God, you're the one that said do this, and I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. My family is split, and, and Jacob is to a point where he can't fix it. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children." He was in a helpless situation, and he knew it. And he remembered what God promised back in Genesis 28 and verse 15. He had said that God said, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Second Timothy 1 and verse 7, a promise given to all of us that for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isaiah wrote to Israel, and he said in chapter 41 and verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And so now as we think about a total surrender to God, there we find out that God sometimes needs to bring us to a point in our lives where we are completely helpless. And we are either completely helpless or, or we're in a, a place where we are of great fear and great despair. I don't know what it is, but all of us at some point in time, that if we are truly, you think about it, to be totally, completely surrendered to God, God has allowed us to get to a spot in our lives where we realize that we have absolutely no control over these things and I need to give it all to God. Well, when we do that, we need to stay there and stay totally committed in doing the promises that we make and living the way that, that God is wanting us to live. And whatever it may be, whether you have a child sick, maybe you, you've had a spouse that has passed away, Maybe you've had a child pass away. Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe it's marital problems. Maybe it's grief or depression. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's that you are scared of dying, whatever it may be. God wants us to completely trust him in the situation. And he may allow us to get to that point where then we realize what it is that we need to do. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, is what 1 Peter 5 in verse 7 says, 
Well, here we see, I don't, I don't think that we have seen a complete uh, uh, giving of himself to God yet. There's not a complete surrender to God yet because he continues now to, to try to figure out the situation and make it uh, um, uh, better for himself and, and trying still to do what he can to save his family rather than just turning them completely over to God. And he says in verse 13, And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. Two hundred she-goats, twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes, twenty rams. And it shows the whole presence that he gave. It ended up being 580 animals that he is giving to Esau. And he sent them in three herds to impress Esau by the numbers that he was giving. And, and, and we see that often this type of gift was given to a superior to gain his favor. Look, God said that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We, we do not need to we, we do not need to bow to, to the, the prince of the power of the air. We do not need to bow to the power of this world. We, we do not need to cave to whatever it is that the world tells us that we ought to be as, as believers and, and how we ought to raise our families and how we ought to be in our marriages and how we ought to be in a church family and what we do for worship and how we honor God. The, the, the world has no dominion over that. The world has no say over those things. We, we do what God tells us to do and there is no reason why in any form or fashion we ought to be doing things to impress the world, ever, ever. Look, next week when we honor our, our first responders, that isn't to impress anyone. Uh, really, it's, I, I don't want to say it's deceptive because it's not deceptive. We, we want them to know that we love them, but more importantly, what they don't understand, the most important part of that service next Sunday will be the message praying that they will understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and realize they need a first responder, Jesus. Jesus is the one that will give them life. Jesus is the one that, that never loses anyone. <laughs> Isn't that good? You think about our first responders, and, and it's not the ones that live that, that make the impact on them. It's the ones that they lose. I want you to know that you come to Jesus and, and you have any breath in your, your lungs at all and you're still alive in any way and you come to Jesus, he'll never lose you. Never, ever lose you. And so we have no reason to worry about the world and, and there's no reasons why we need to bow to, to, to the world in any way. And, and, and here in Jacob's mind and in his fear and and even in his guilt and how he'd done things, he, he felt that he needed to do these things. And what he was doing is letting his fear and guilt consume him and, and, and control his thinking. And, and he knew God's promises, and he, he recited them already in his prayer. And, and he knew those promises of God, and so live by the promises that God gives us. If we are going to be totally committed to God, Remember the promises that God has given you and live by them and trust that he will fulfill what he says he will. We need to live that way. And Jacob was soon to learn that God would deliver him because he promised and that 
Jacob needed no such gifts. God said he would do this, and we need to, he needed to trust that God would do it. But instead, he's still continuing to try to do what, what he could. And, 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 and here, we, we need to realize that deliverance comes from faith in God and not by giving tribute to the enemy, making them happy. But then, so, we, we see his, his idea of restitution, you might say. So, so here's the circumstance. He's, he's fearful, and, and we see that he's fighting this fear. He's afraid for his family. We, we see his restitution, but now we see in verses 24 and 25, we see the resistance that, that, he, that he's going through. Here, here he is. It's a night. His family's across the river, and, and, and he's wondering, are they going to live? Are they going to die? In verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. And Jacob was left alone. You know, the, the idea of commitment and total surrender has to be an individual decision. You can have a husband who is sold out and totally committed to God and have a wife who's not. You know the struggle that they're going to have It'll just be a constant grinding and rubbing against each other until they both have come to that full surrender. And it just has to come where you both are totally surrendered to God. When we get to that point, when, when you have gotten to a point where you are totally surrendered to God, then you will start seeing the true power and blessings of God upon your life and upon your marriage. doesn't mean that it's safe. You need to stay there because as soon as you veer off, everything is in danger. But here we see that God will bring us to a place of surrender. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. You see, there was a great wrestling match for Jacob, and it was in order for him to enter into the land of promise. And we're going to have to do the same thing. Maybe we have done that. Maybe you're in the process of that right now. But here we see that his family was gone, his guards were gone. And someone once said this, Lone souls are fit subjects for the fellowship of heaven. I, I think we can we get ourselves into two. There, there's two ways that we can go when we're alone. We can either do the stinking thinking or we can do the heavenly thinking. And we need to guard our minds and, and we need to understand that, that lone souls are fit subjects for the fellowship of heaven. Listen to what God is doing in your life. And, and here we see that he was alone. And what did Jacob do? But in his pride, he fought against God. He wrestled against God. He was fighting with him and arguing with him, and, and, and yes, a physical wrestling match, whatever you want to call this, but we, we have that kind of wrestling uh, in our minds with God all the time, and we struggle with what the Word of God says and, and with what our lives are doing, and, and we know this is what it says, and we know this is what we're supposed to do, but, 
but we're so caught up in our lives and in society and in our jobs and and in the expectations that everybody has put upon us and all of the society has put upon us and and we have all these things weighing down on us and and here is God still here never changed still telling you that some some 4000 years ago when when he told Jacob this he's still telling us the very same message today and we want to argue and we want to wrestle with him and and we want to uh, let our, fr- our fleshly pride and will and, uh, to, to battle against God's divine will. And, and we can only hope of success is to be totally submissive to God. You hear that? Totally submissive to God in every area of your life and my life. If we are going to have God's blessings, we need to be totally submissive. So verse 25. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, oh, the stubbornness of Jacob. I'm not going to say how stout he was or, wow, he wrestled the the angel of God and held his own. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. That angel was just there with him and wearing him out and and, and fine. And, And may I tell you the same thing? You can wrestle with God and you can wrestle with God and you can wrestle with God and you will never wear him out. But he'll wear you out, and he'll bring you to the point where you have absolutely nothing left. And we know that Jacob was one that was very hard to break. But when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And so we see that God will bring us to an understanding that we cannot defeat him. He wrestled until break, uh, daybreak, and you know that darkness always seems to represent our desperate situations, doesn't it? However, it was then at daybreak that when he was touched in his hip and he was crippled for life, that he realized that he wasn't going to win this fight. And so we see the last thing, the blessings the clinging of Jacob, and, and here it says that, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. You see, now he quit wrestling, and he was resolute in his proud will, but that had been broken, and he was resolute in his pleading for blessing. David wrote in Psalm 51, oh, he had his wrestling matches with God too. Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. And so we see because of this that there was a change in Jacob's life. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, that's what it meant. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Israel means he who prevails with God. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And so now we see that for Jacob to enter into the promised land, he needed to be radically changed in his mind, in his life, his actions, his motivations, and He confessed that his name was a supplanter and a deceiver, and 
it was a confession of his true nature and, and a confession of his broken heart. And, and his new name now indicates a new nature, one that came is yielding not by his wrestling. Doesn't get it by the wrestling, he gets it by giving in and yielding to God. We need to realize that the measure of our submission, somebody said this one time, we need to realize that the measure of our submission will be our measure of victory. That's what God wants when he talks about a full surrender. We need to be fully surrendered to God. Verse 29, and Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray, pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You see, God saved him with a face-to-face encounter with him. You know, sometimes in our darkest hours and and in those, those darkest of nights and those hardest of times in our lives, that's when God wants to use you. That's where God wants to point some things out in your life, and he wants you to be fully, completely, wholly surrendered to him. And it's then that you will find peace. It's then that you can have true pleasure and joy in this world. And, and, I, and I think that so often the reason why I have unrest in my own life, why, why there's an unsettledness in my own life, where there might be anxiousness or whatever, it's because God is showing me that, Shannon, there's something in your life that you have not surrendered to me. And you're holding on to that, and you're wrestling with me, and I am not going to let you alone until you finally give that to me. It may be that way in your life. And there's something in your life that's keeping you back from being what it is that you need to be. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. You know, from that day on, as he limped, I'm sure there were times when his thoughts and his motivations would start wrestling with the will of God and Oh, there'd be that twinge. Be like, oh, that hurt. It's like, oh yeah, I know how I got that. I I, I know uh, I know why I just got that pinch and that nerve. I need to pay attention to what God's telling me. And here we see that the sun rose upon him. You know, I want that, don't we? Don't we all want that? Don't we want the sun to rise upon us and know that God is pleased, that, that God is with me, and, and he's, not, he's not there just to convict me and, 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 and reprimand me for the things that I'm doing wrong, but he's also there cheering me on, blessing and guiding and empowering and, and giving me a good life, a good life to live. And yeah, there's challenges along the way, and there's haters along the way, and and there's sad times along the way, and there's real challenges that we all face every day, but as we know, as the sun comes up, and we know that the very face of God is there with us, we just sell out to Him. God, today is your day. 
This body is your body. This life is your life. This mouth is your mouth. Your, to, to, to speak as you would see fit. These hands are to be used for your honor and your glory. These feet are to go in the places that you want me to go and, and to represent you and live for you. And whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, whatever the job is, or whatever, whatever we're doing in the world, it's for you. God, it's for you. Let's be totally surrendered to him. I, I do not want to be the one that says, oh, I believe in Jesus but you don't confess him to the world around because you're more impressed in what people will think than what God thinks. That's not total surrender, for sure. Might be even far deeper than that, but for sure that's not total surrender. Let's be surrendered to God in everything and see God's hand of mercy and grace upon us. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for each one who's here tonight. I pray that you stir in the hearts of each one. Pray you encourage them. I pray that you will bless and guide us. And, Lord, our, the ones that are watching tonight, that, Father, I pray that you will encourage their hearts tonight, too. And, that, Lord, each one of us would be totally surrendered to you, to your will, to obedience, to your word. And, Father, we'll see your will be done in our lives. Guide us, direct us, use us this week to be what it is that you want us to be. And Father, you will use us to reach others that will make eternal decisions in their lives. Lord, we love you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.